Welcome to the Resources for Integrated Care webinar, Managing Transitions with Adults with Disabilities. This podcast is excerpted from a webinar presented live on March 28, 2018. In this podcast, Elizabeth Jones, Project Director for Money Follows the Person within Texas's Health and Human Services Commission, discusses building partnerships within Texas's Money Follows the Person program. I'm pleased to be here to share information about the Texas Money Follows the Person demonstration. Next slide, please. Um, Texas was one of the first states funded when, during the first round of funding in 2007. And as of December 2017, um, I'm proud to announce that we have transitioned over 12,000 participants from institutions into community living. Approximately 80% of those were dually eligible beneficiaries, and about 38% um, were individuals with physical disabilities. Texas opted to focus on three populations in our MFP program. Older adults, generally age 65 or older, individuals with physical disabilities, and individuals with an intellectual or developmental disability. Next slide. Um, Texas implemented its Money Follows the Person program on existing long-term services and support structure. And what that means is individuals transition from facilities into either our 1115 Managed Care long Home and Community-Based Services waiver or to a 1915C waiver for individuals with intellectual or developmental disabilities. The guiding principles of our MFP program included focusing on the individual's independence and productivity as defined by the individual, and that's critical, as defined by the individual. Uh, creating meaningful opportunities for a person with a disability to live in the most appropriate, integrated setting of the individual's choice. Our demonstration also focused on using person-centered planning and practices throughout the transition process beginning with that initial meeting in, in the institution, such as the nursing facility, and following uh, through services delivered in the community. To achieve the successful transitions that we have um, accomplished, Texas really used a three-pronged approach for our transitions. And these were essential. And the first was transition assistance, which I'll talk more about in a minute, community transition teams, and uh, transition contractors. Next slide. But before I talk about the three-pronged approach, I, I want to mention um, some of the uh, challenges faced by our participants as they, were, as they wanted to transition. And by far the largest challenge was the ability, uh, availability of physically accessible and affordable housing. Um, financial support to provide things to set up your household, for example, dishes. Um, how, do I, where, how do I get furniture? Um, eating utensils. Uh, many people did not have government identification, didn't have a state identification card that is so needed to live in the community and to um, have your utilities um, um, hooked up, for example. Nor did, they have the back, nor did they have the background documents to receive these, uh, to obtain this government identification. So they needed support with obtaining that. Uh, transportation. Uh, to accessing community activities, as Todd was just talking about, uh, to get to the grocery store, to go to the community center, uh, to purchase, purchase, um, to visit with family and friends. 
and also addressing participant fears about what will this be like and can, can I actually do this. And then assessing, accessing financial assistance um, for other services such as emergency food or help with utilities. Um, and the demonstration really helped us to identify uh, many of these barriers and to begin to address them. So how did we do this? Let's go to the next slide. Transition assistance services. Um, we obtained uh, CMS approval to add transition assistance services to our 1915 C waivers and our 1115 managed care service array. Transition assistance is a one-time grant of up to $2,500 to assist an individual in setting up a household in the community. It is a Medicaid service, and it is um, authorized on the individual's um, service plan, their home and community-based services plan. Um, it pays for things um, that are necessary to enable the individual to establish a basic household. And that would include things like a security deposit for, for utilities or rent, uh, rental security deposit, uh, purchasing furniture, uh, uh, tables, chairs, windows, blinds, eating utensils, food prep and food preparation items. It also uh, covers moving expenses, and it covers services necessary to ensure the health and safety of the individual in the home. And this would include things such as pest eradication, allergen control, um, or one-on-one -on -one, uh, one-time cleaning before moving into the individual's home. Next, next slide. Community transition teams also played a critical role in the success of the Texas transition model. And these community transition teams were public, private, regional community resource groups who met monthly to um, identify and talk about some of the challenges that individuals faced as they wanted to move from um, institutional-based services to the community. And many of the, the um, challenges that I just mentioned were, were um, identified by these groups. And these groups were, um, the meetings were led by the Health and Human Services Commission by state office staff and included um, all of the partners that would be involved in helping someone transition. So it included um, representatives from the health plans, our relocation contractors, um, housing specialists, um, some of our local housing navigators, adult protective services, and providers. And we found that it was critical to bring people together who had knowledge of local resources in order to um, support an individual's transition. The final component of our successful transition model, um, going to the next slide, is community partnerships. And this was very important to uh, develop partnerships with community-based organizations. And in the Texas MFP program, we work with the following uh, types of community-based organizations, Centers for Independent Living, Area Agencies on Aging, and other local, uh, local transition and relocation specialists. And we worked with these individuals to help identify uh, people who requested to move out of facilities. And um, these, these agencies were also responsible for serving as the lead and addressing non-medical transition components. So let's talk a little bit about some of the relocation activities going to the next slide. Um, the guidelines 
um, for our relocation activities really focused on promoting independence. It was critical to inform individuals of community options. So those who requested um, information about moving to the community, it was very important that they were met with individually and community options were discussed. It's important to assess the individual service needs and transition needs and coordinate those transitions and to provide um, training to staff on transition and promotion of, promotion of the independence philosophy. And I want to say a little bit about sort of focusing on promoting independence. And as you work with your own staff, it's very important to keep this in the forefront and make it a priority um, as, you do your, as you do your business. Um, so within the Texas MFP program, the relocation contractors in, in coordination with the health plan service coordinators and others as needed were tasked with the following relocation activities. Um, conducting outreach um, at nursing facilities and other institutions to interest, interested people, identifying those who requested to obtain more information about community transitions, um, conducting a transition needs assessment, so, so what types of support did the individual need, and developing a transition plan. D development and coordination of community supports, and that would be things such as housing, um, so the, working with the housing navigators, and post-transition follow-up with participants. So it was very important to um, follow up with participants once they moved into the community to make sure that services were established. And um, our relocation contractors followed people for up to uh, 90 days once they had moved to the community. Going to the next slide. So successful um, integration into does not end once the participant is in their new setting. A critical part of setting up a transition is to establish the community-based long-term services and supports that the individual will need to be successful in the community. And so service coordinator in Texas, uh, service coordinators with the health plans are, assume the responsibility for service planning. So they will assess the individual's need for, for services, such as do they need an attendant, um, any nursing services. So they will do an assessment, develop the service plan to help people live successfully in the community. And so that service plan would include long-term services and supports and possibly some acute care services. So, and the relocation specialist really focused on the non-medical or community-based aspects of the transition, such as accessible, accessible housing. Now I want to talk a little bit about um, some of the lessons that we learned from the state level. Um, in implementing our MFP program, and particularly about transitions. Um, the first one is to really have a, a focused administrative attention on all levels, and on the state level to attend to program developments. And recently, we just moved our relocation contractors. Um, we just folded them into the managed care umbrella, so they're part of managed care service coordination. Previously, they had contracted with the state, and now those contracts are with the managed care um, organizations. And so in order to monitor this implementation, we hold quarterly check-in calls with MCOs and relocation contractors. And we also look at some of the <coughs> quarterly performance measures, 
such as the number of assessments conducted, the number of relocations, um, just to make sure that the the, the um, service is being implemented as designed, and to also look at where it might need to be tweaked and improved. On the regional level, I talked about the community transition teams. It was very important for them to come together and identify um, systematic barriers and be begin to address those. On the local level, um, it's important to um, assure that service coordinators and some of the MCOs meet together to discuss cases. So they hold weekly meetings. Each MCO with its own relocation contractors discuss meeting and discuss specific cases and, re and referrals. It's also important to understand the key roles and differences between the uh, medical care coordinators, such as the uh, health plan service coordinators, and the non-medical transition specialists, what we call our relocation specialists in Texas. Um, so it's very important to understand and respect those particular roles and to provide training to MCO staff and relocation specialists about each, each other's expertise. Um, <clears throat> when you're making, thinking about making a transition that we just made in terms of moving relocation into managed care, it's important to work with the community-based organizations uh, and to begin to prepare them for partnering with the managed care organizations. And one of the areas <clears throat> especially challenging and where additional support would be needed would be in the contracting process. Other lessons learned, um, <clears throat> again, focusing on building relationships between managed care and community um, care organizations. Um, learning to understand and respect the different cultures. And what we found it was, it was important to focus on the common goal, common goal, which is to assist the participant in making that transition from the facility into community-based um, living and respecting the different perspectives because it's those two perspectives together that come together that provide the full array of supports needed for an individual to transition and to live successfully in the community. Again, it's important to provide ongoing training. And we also have learned that a lot of the training sort of takes place with the different groups sharing how they do their work and sharing their perspectives. Um, to have a, a referral system in place um, to make sure that all the parties work together and that the individual's needs are met and that they are told about their options for community living. And um, finally, to encourage community supports uh, to work with participants to obtain their goals. So reaching out to um, any of your local community um, areas, such as local food banks or churches, to support the participants' needs. And um, also developing training for nursing facility staff. That's another partner we haven't really talked about. Um, in this presentation to um, let them know the Olmstead requirements that were mentioned earlier and to uh, help train them on the importance of transitions. Thank you for listening. This podcast is presented by the Loon Group and is supported through the Medicare-Medicaid Coordination Office at the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services. MMCO is dedicated to helping beneficiaries enrolled in Medicare and Medicaid have access to seamless, high-quality health care that includes the full range of covered services in both programs. To support providers in their efforts to deliver more integrated, coordinated care, MMCO is developing technical assistance and actionable tools based on successful innovations in care models. 
To learn more about our current efforts and resources, please visit our website or follow us on Twitter for more details. Our Twitter handle is at integrate underscore care.